reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 to 11, and it can be found on page 738 of the Church Bibles. The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the Sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that in the written word and through the spoken word, we may see the living word, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If only. Those words are among the most poignant in the English language. We speak that way when things turn out badly and we can trace the problem back to a mistake that has been made. Well, in the book of Isaiah, we hear God saying, if only, about Israel. A couple of chapters before our reading, He said this to the Israelites who were languishing in exile. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. Then, in our reading, we heard a sharp contrast to their inattentiveness. A voice says, the Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. But who's this speaking? Verse 10 tells us that it is the Lord's servant. We were introduced to him last Sunday when we heard God saying, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. 
And we saw then how Jesus ultimately fulfilled the role of the Lord's servant. This morning's reading tells us more about this servant of the Lord. We'll start by seeing what it says in context. Later, we'll consider how it applies to Jesus and then to us. This message was addressed to Israelites living in captivity in Babylon more than two and a half thousand years ago. Jerusalem lay in ruins and the outlook seemed bleak. The people had brought this on themselves by their disregard for God. Chapter 48 begins with these words. Listen to this, you descendants of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel and come from the line of Judah. You who take oaths in the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth or righteousness. The problem was that their religion had become a sham. Indeed, God said to them, you have neither heard nor understood. From of old, your ears have not been open. Well do I know how treacherous you are. You were called a rebel from birth. Their big mistake was that they hadn't listened to God. They'd rebelled against him. That's why God said those sad words, if only. We read in chapter 48, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. If only they'd listened to God, they would not have been carried off as captives to Babylon. But that wasn't to be the end of the story, for God in his grace would not abandon them there. We read, the Lord's chosen ally will carry out his purpose against Babylon. His arm will be against the Babylonians. That's a reference to Cyrus, king of Persia. In God's sovereignty, Cyrus would seize control of Babylon and release the Israelites to return to their homeland. That was what they were longing for. But it didn't address their deepest problem, their failure to listen to God. We're reminded of that problem as we move on now to chapter 50, where God says to them, when I called, why was there no one to answer? And the sad reality was that even after their return to Jerusalem, their hearts would remain stubborn. Their deafness and disobedience to God would be repeated. Something more was needed. How could this pattern of behavior be changed? God's solution would involve a special person, his servant, whom we hear speaking in this reading. So let's now look at what he says. And if you'd like to follow along 
It's on page 738 of the Church Bibles. Verse 4. The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Last week, we read about the servant of the Lord being a teacher. We were told then that in his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Today, we're shown the source of that teaching. It comes from God. For his servant is, first of all, an attentive disciple. He starts each day by listening to the Lord before he speaks to others. And so he speaks the words of God that can sustain even those who are at their lowest ebb. We're being given a description here of the perfect disciple. It begins with his daily attentiveness to learn God's will so that he can fulfill his mission. He isn't shaped by some instant enlightenment, but rather by daily setting aside time with the Lord. So the servant is, first of all, an attentive disciple. Next, he's a responsive disciple, for true discipleship also involves what we do. He responds to what he hears from God with obedience. Verse 5, the sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. Again, we see a contrast with rebellious, disobedient Israel. The servant's desire is to do God's will. However, we now meet a discomforting aspect of this. Verse 6, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. The problem is that being a disciple of God does not mean an easy life. It attracts opposition, even physical and mental suffering. But this perfect disciple doesn't resent the cost of obeying God. Instead, he willingly offers his back to those who would beat him. In fact, we read not only of beating, mocking, and spitting, but also of him being falsely charged with offenses in a court of law. He says, who is my accuser? Let him confront me. He seems to have expected that this would be the result of obeying God, for it says that he resolutely set his face like flint at its prospect. He obeyed with courage. Again, we see a contrast with the Israelites. They were suffering because of their disobedience to God. The servant would suffer because of his obedience. It was enough for him to know that he was fulfilling God's purpose. Our reading doesn't tell us what that purpose was, but the next passage in Isaiah about the servant explains it. For we find the cross foreshadowed in chapter 53 when we read, 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So the servant is an attentive disciple and a responsive disciple. Thirdly, he's a trusting disciple. Why is he so ready to accept the cost of discipleship, to face suffering with such courage? Because God is with him and he trusts that God will help him. We read in verse 7, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. The servant is facing opposition. He's facing a trial on false charges, but he knows that everything will work out in the end. Why? Because God is in control. Four times he refers to God as sovereign Lord, the one who rules over all. No matter what happens, he trusts this sovereign Lord to vindicate him in the end. And so we read in verse 8, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. This sovereign Lord doesn't just send his servant on a mission. He stands by him. He will see him through it. With God at his side, the servant can face any situation. His suffering wouldn't weaken his trust in God. Quite the reverse. It would allow him to exercise it. So the servant is an attentive disciple, a responsive disciple, and a trusting disciple of the Lord. He listens to God and speaks his word. But now comes the key question of the passage, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? The servant is not just someone to be admired as the perfect disciple. A response to him is required. Reverent fear of the Lord is equated with obeying the word of the servant. We're called to make a choice. Just as there are good and bad choices that we can make regarding our relationships or our health, or our financial well-being. So there are good and bad choices we can make on our spiritual well-being. Hence the appeal, verse 10, let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But not everyone will respond to this call. Others will light fires of rebellion and walk in the light that they've created for themselves. They're given a solemn warning, verse 11. 
But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. That's a sobering ending to our reading. Perhaps you'd have preferred us to stop at the previous verse. And yet, warnings are important for our protection. I'm sure most of us pay attention to warnings about scam phone calls, or fake websites, or text messages with fraudulent links. What we have here is a warning about claims that all will be well if we reject God and his servant and live by our own light. That is the biggest deception of them all. That's why the question in our reading is so important. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Now, let's turn to the New Testament. We read there of Jesus declaring that he had come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the early church preached about him being the Lord's servant. So let's now consider how our reading this morning connects with the life of Jesus. For a start, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, even early in the morning. And he explained the source of his teaching when he said, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. What a clear echo that is of our reading, where we heard the servant say, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. <coughs> Knowing that God's will for him would mean his trial and crucifixion, we read that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Or as many translations put it, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Again, we recall how the servant set his face like flint at the prospect of suffering and a trial on false charges. No one has experienced the cost of being a disciple as much as Jesus did on the cross. And the vindication that the servant knew he would receive from God came for Jesus on Easter Day. Peter put it this way in a sermon in Jerusalem when he contrasted the human condemnation of Jesus with God's verdict. He said to the people, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And as was said of the servant, our response to Jesus determines what we will receive from God. For John's gospel tells us Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. So we can see how this portrait of the servant as the perfect disciple was fulfilled by Jesus. But it also speaks to us 
It calls us to respond to him so that the words, if only, will never be said of our lives. And then it asks what kind of disciple we are. Are we attentive disciples, spending regular time with God in prayer and meditating on his word? If Jesus needed to do this when he was on this earth, how much more do we? When God speaks, are we listening? Are we teachable? Do we make sure that our ears are filled with God's word? And having listened, are we responsive disciples? For a willingness to be taught requires a willingness to respond, to live and speak for Jesus. The challenge is that discipleship comes with a cost. It will attract opposition. Shortly before his trial and crucifixion, Jesus said this to his disciples, Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted you, me, they will persecute you also. So, what is the key to keeping going when things get difficult? Our reading made clear what would keep the servant going. He said, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? If the sovereign, it is the sovereign Lord who helps me, who will condemn me? Those words now apply to Christians. For Paul adapted them in his letter to the Romans when he wrote, If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Facing mockery or opposition for following Jesus isn't as daunting when we remember that God is with us. We can have the same assurance as the servant had. And because of his death for us on the cross, we have the same destiny as Jesus. As he said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. As we look back over our reading, we see that this special servant of the Lord is the perfect disciple, attentive to the Lord and speaking his word, responsive to the Lord even when it would lead to suffering, and trusting in the Lord to make things right at the end of the day. The next passage in the book of Isaiah about the servant of the Lord begins with these words. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. That's an echo 
of Isaiah's great vision of God in the temple that we read about in chapter 6, where he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. When Jesus, the servant of the Lord, had completed his mission, he was honoured alongside God on his throne. And Jesus has promised that one day his disciples will be with him. Although the path of discipleship is not easy, the destination is far greater than anything we can imagine. So let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the perfect disciple who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.